You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. Today, I have special guest, Allison Hodgson. And Allison's here as she's a writer, speaker, humorist. Uh, you've seen her work probably on Howes.com. She's also written for Forbes and numerous other uh, publications. So we're excited to have Allison on board. Allison's going to be talking to us about her latest book, The Pug List, a ridiculous little dog, a family who lost everything, and how they all found their way home. So we're interested to find out more about the book, find out more about uh, the wonderful main character, we'll say, in the book. Uh, we'll keep that hidden. And then also want to talk to Allison a little bit about her writing and her writing styles and what she goes through her processes. So we're going to excited to uh, talk to Allison about that. So everybody just hang tight. We're going to come back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All day play and overnight camp. Daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Yuppie Puppy City Kitty provides pet lovers an opportunity to earn up to 50% commission selling our premium pet products. Advocate Gina Brick says, The opportunity to share such a quality product line with other pet lovers is amazing. The support of the Yuppie Puppy City Kitty family while working the business is a true gift. Mention special code PETLIFE when you enroll today and receive three additional products free. Find us at www.ypckpets.com. That's ypckpets.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining me now is writer, speaker, and humorist, Allison Hodgson. Allison, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, well, we're glad to have you on board. And big kudos for your latest book, The Pug List. Thank you. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the book. Well, in a nutshell, The Pug List is the story of how rescuing a troublesome little pug named Oliver was the key to helping my family heal after an arsonist randomly set our house on fire. Oh, my goodness. It's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's, quite, that's pretty yeah. Heavy. <laughs> Other than that, there's nothing going on in the book, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, other than that. No. Yeah, so an arsonist randomly, we didn't know him. He set our house on fire while we were home and in bed, and we escaped with the clothes on our backs. And the short story is any house fire is a devastating experience, mm-hmm. and arson, it's a crime, adding that level of crime, it leaves a mark, and there's trauma, and it took us a really long time to heal. And so while we were rebuilding, we talked about rescuing a pug before the fire, and then after the fire, it was like, oh, no, we already had a, a dog, a big black lab, and and I was struggling just to take care of myself, let alone the kids, let alone the dog, let alone rebuild. And then I thought, no, it wasn't meant to be, I guess, adapting a pug, even though they're adorable, wonderful dogs. 
but my youngest daughter, Eden, who was seven at the time, didn't get that memo. And so she began what I called in the book, the relentless capital R campaign, capital C, where she just worked and worked and worked. And and spoiler alert, she got her pug. <laughs> I always find out in life, and you should learn this lesson by now, but I've learned it over and over again, and I still am learning it. But uh, yeah, animals, here it goes in life. It's, it's animals, kids, and spouses especially of the female persuasion, tend to win out. That's sort of, <laughs> and maybe not in that order, but somewhere, yeah. yeah. Not so. always, but sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because my husband resisted getting a dog in the first place, and then he resisted getting a second dog, and then he folded like a card table at the end, and he didn't tell Eden, but he told me, that he was weakening and uh, because we told her okay you can earn the money for a pug but you know no promises and you know it certainly wouldn't be until we were in the new house and then we got in the new house and we still didn't feel up to another dog and and then he told me he was weakening and I thought no but he's always the one who in the book I say he folds for love you know he always capitulates and so you you might have something there but then when I read her pug list, she had this little notebook, and on the picture there was this fawn pug, and it was a little spiral notebook, and she she didn't know how to spell diary, so she called it her pug list, and she wrote her little heart out, and I, I knew about it, but I didn't really know about it, you know what I mean? And so I opened it up one day, I came across it, and I read it, and it was like... And there was a little heart she drew. She wrote pug list in her little scrawl, and then she drew a little heart, and I read it, and it was like, oh, her heart is on the line, you know, and I, and I knew we got to get her a pug. And then the book is, the first half is about rebuilding after the fire and just how hard that was, and then the second part of the book is about us looking for and finding little Oliver. So now I'm curious about uh, several things on this. So Eden had the pug list, which was her little diary. Mm-hmm. Now I'm assuming this was this strategically placed so mom and dad would no. happen to find it. Oh, she had no, no, okay. no, no, no. no I I'll have to, just, uh, like, go ahead. You had another question. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I thought maybe it was strategically placed. So okay, so you find the list, no. and that that was the 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 last straw. You had to had to give in at that point. Um, well, and, let me let me just read you a sample. It. Like, the very first entry. Well, number one, on the, like, opening page, it says, To the good pug I will have. I sing. I think that my pug list is so fun. And then the first entry says, Dear pug list, I almost have enough money for a pug, but my parents say no, and I do not like it one bit. But I try and try to get enough money. But it is a hard thing to do. But it is worth it. But the pug motivates me, and it makes me happy, so I just keep working and working all day long. And then, like, page after page of this, like, indefatigable cheer and, like, relentless passion and commitment. And it was like, oh, I just knew it was, it was one of, you know, I've said no many times to her before this. I've said no many times to her after this, but this was one where I knew. This one is going to leave a mark. You know, this one matters. That's so. right. It had to be fulfilled. So why why pugs? Did she ever give a good reason for that? Oh uh, yeah. Or, well, I it was 
it was my own fault. I had had a torrid online romance with a rescue pug named Tonka, and I write about that in the book. I Somehow, I found myself on Pet Finder. I think probably some of your listeners can understand mm-hmm. this. Right. You don't know what you're doing. All of a sudden, you're on Pet Finder, and I happened to be looking at pugs, and I saw this just Oh, my goodness. He was something else. He just, like, his personality shot off the screen, and he was practically a square. He Pugs tend to be portly, and so he was he was quite chunky, and his, he, he was just all personality. And I tried to get my husband to let me rescue, adopt Tonka, and I write about that. We went back and forth, and finally, when my husband Paul thought it was a good time, it turns out it was a week, what turned out to be a week before the fire. I called the rescue, and Tonka had found a good and happy home. And so, you know, a week later, we're homeless. You know, temporarily we stayed with family, but, you know, in total upheaval. And I just thought, oh, it wasn't meant to be. But during that time, I told Eden and we started looking at pugs. And I write about it in the book, but it was my fault. I'm the one who lit the flame. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Now, Oliver's not. What color is Oliver? Because you mentioned a fawn-colored pug. Yes. Oliver is black. And that was also my idea because we had a big, we have the English lab, Jack, and he's a big black lab. And I accidentally built a house that's almost entirely white. And and I I'd never had a new house before. And, and so, you know, anyone who's had a dog, you know, like the fur is something to contend with. And I just thought, okay, I can't do a fawn pug. I just can't add another whole color to our life. And and so I, I suggested to Eden, this was, I say this was the bridge that carried us over. I was I said, what would you think about getting a black pug? That felt doable to me. And and it was meant to be because Oliver was meant to be our dog. So then I have to ask, uh, back, going back to the fire, uh, your black lab, uh, black lab's name is? Jack. Jack. So with Jack, how did Jack handle the whole process both during it? Was he uh, excitable or did he just sleep through the whole thing? And then afterwards <laughs> trying to adapt to his new home life? Well, he's a trooper. He's he's a good dog. He's not overwhelmed by intelligence. He's smart enough, you know. And so he was actually sleeping on my son's bed. We did not have a hero dog moment. But you know what? He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was being a loving, faithful companion. So we woke him up and then when we escaped our house, we stood across the street and watched the house burn. And, he, you know, he's on his leash. He, this is his walking path. And he just kind of whimpered and cried. And it was the worst and most confusing walk of his life. And then it was interesting. Whenever we'd have to go back to the, the property, he didn't like it. He was really uncomfortable. But as far as adjusting, we went and stayed with my sister-in-law and her husband. And they had three big dogs. And he was in heaven. And he actually was, he had the easiest adjustment. He was just so happy to be with, he loves other dogs, and so he's really happy to be with other dogs. But the house, it, it left a mark for him. Whenever we'd have to come, he, he didn't like that. He'd kind of whimper and pull back. So it was, it, it made, the fire made an impression on him, too. It was a traumatic, I'm not kidding, a traumatic experience for him as well. Oh, he, yeah. You know, he felt everything we felt, and mm-hmm. we were feeling a lot of pain and anxiety. 
itself. Yeah, and that's important. You know, uh, thanks for sharing. That. I mean, that's the important thing to know that uh, you know your family, your family unit, and you feed off of each other's energies. And animals have the same type of uh, trauma and stress that we go through in those horrible situations. Well, something that's interesting is lately he's really he was acting out. He's I worked very hard to train him. He's a great dog, but just in the last little bit just behaviorally a few things. And our vet said, well, you know what? They feel what you feel. And I feel like he, we've had some hard traumatic life experiences and I think they just kind of build up. So we made a point to just really give him attention and make sure he was getting his walks in. And it broke all of our hearts that it's like, oh, he feels all our anxiety. And, but he's just, a, he's a great dog. He's, he's such a good boy. Good for him. Good on Jack. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a uh, quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with uh, Allison Hodgson, talk to her about her book, The Pug List. But I want to talk to her about, your, uh, about her writing skills and her habits and the things that she does as a writer. So everybody hang tight. Uh, you're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. The standard run-of-the-mill tests and treatments. Cortisone. Antihistamine. Multiple creams. Antibiotics. Spray. Multiple prescriptions. Steroid injections. Topical spray. Sharp antibiotics. Steroid cream. No results. It was neglect. The other owners didn't care enough about him to take care of him and to give him the nutrition he needed. A nutritional supplement like Dynavite. To be the healthy, happy dog he is today. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. Put some nutrition in your dog. The vet that I trust recommended Dynavite. The dog I have today, because of Dynavite, has a sparkle in his eye, a lush coat, healthy skin. When you rescue a dog, you've got to feed him right for life. Dynavite will make your dog a happy dog. Dynavite is nutrition. Dynavite for life. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I'm here with uh, writer, speaker, and humorist uh, Allison Hodgson. Talk to her about her book, The Pug List, a ridiculous little dog, a family who lost everything, and how they all found their way home. So now I love the book, and I, and I love everything. I'm assuming it's happy endings, though people, I'm assuming you're still adjusting even to today. Yeah, well, something that I'm, the ending is complicated, but the good thing is, the wonderful thing is, is Oliver is still alive. But 
the ending of my book, I think, is a reflection of life and that after the house fire, we still, it's not like we are exempt from hard things happening. And I write about some of the hard things that happened to us after the fire. But at the end of the day, we've got that funny little smush face guy and he's he's doing great. And he's just been such a source of comfort and healing and everything changed when we got him. There you go. So it was meant to be, meant to be. It, it was meant to be. He and Eden, it's like something out of a storybook if you, you know, ignore him growing up in a puppy mill and her having someone set her house on fire, but you can't. And so it's it's a complicated, but the way they bonded was just so beautiful and it just was incredibly healing for her, which anybody, you know, any animal lover, they understand the, the healing power of animals. Yeah. So let's talk about the writing styles, because obviously you've written for a lot of different publications and, you know, you're a professional writer at heart. Tell us, first of all, how did the book portion come about? Uh, Did you realize, hey, I got a great story and someone needs to hear this? Or is it something that uh, was last minute? Somebody told you that, hey, you ought to put this down in the book. No, no. (laughs) I had been working on a book before the fire, and that just kind of... uh, I just set that aside after the fire. And and to be honest, now I look at it and I realize it was communicating to me that it wasn't working. And and so then, you know, I had some freelance writing I was doing. And then it's kind of a convoluted story, but a project led me to a project. And then I just, I'd been asked to write about a cat. And while I was writing about that, just something kind of clicked in my brain, Oliver, <laughs> if Eden's not here, he's usually with me. And so when I'm working, he's usually in my study at my feet. And something I thought about with usually when people write about an animal, when they come to write about an animal, the animal's gone. And so you go into reading an animal book and you know it's it's going to break your heart. And mm-hmm. And I just suddenly saw the way he was woven into our story of rebuilding and I just had this epiphany, the dog is still alive. And I just, you know, he's there blink, blink, blinking. And I just, I thought, okay, I can set aside this this book I'm working on about a cat who died 20 years ago. You know, that can keep. And I was a little bit nervous that I was being flaky. And, you know, writing is kind of like a new relationship. A new book is a new project. And the beginning is exciting. And then slogging through and actually finishing it is hard work. But... I had a feeling this was this was it. And then it really is an amazing story. And one of the metaphors that comes up in the book is about the dog being alive or the dog being dead. And so I, it's interesting to me sometimes how your subconscious clicks onto something you don't totally know it's there and then you get to there. And so that That's was right. a, a beautiful realization. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, for most writers, I mean, especially when you're talking about publishing a book, you know, you could start writing that book, and by the time the publishing house purchases it, the editors get through with it, et cetera, et cetera, you could be 18 months to two years down the road. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, there may, the animal you've been writing about may not still be in, you know, alive at that point. And also the fact that, you know, it's an ongoing cycle that when you're writing it, because, you know, it's ever changing. So I always find it fascinating when even the, the books I've written and talked to a lot of authors is the fact that, you know, you've got to get it down on paper. For something that's exciting, something that you think is going to move you and move others, get it down on paper and get it out there as soon as you can. Assuming it's it's in good form, obviously. You don't want to release something that has a lot of typos in it, but you know what I mean. But even getting something down, even if you – I don't 
don't think anybody will ever regret writing something because you've gotten it down, then you can realize the application, you know, maybe it's not to be published, but even just writing something, you're building your muscle and there's nothing I've written that I regret writing. Do you know what I'm saying? Because even Mm -hmm. if you don't end up using something, it gets you to another place where you're able to do something else. And, And I do think some of my what could be called some of my failed projects book-wise, they gave me the muscle to be able to write the pug list. And I'm thankful. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful. So now when, when you're putting together uh, as a writer in general, do you often write stories and sort of set them aside as something that could be interesting or write stories and pitch them around to see who's interested in it? Or is it more of a you know, someone contacts you or uh, you see a, an inquiry about a particular story and you write write it at that point in time? For me, it's usually the latter, where it's either something specifically I'm working on or there's usually a plan for it. But I started, I got in the practice of writing by starting to blog about 10 years ago, like getting back into writing regularly. I'd written in school, but then I had kids and and I've always resisted writing. I've it's not something I've done freely and I can do it easily, but it's I have to watch a lot of Netflix to uh <laughs> to write. <laughs> I have to do a lot of not writing to write something. And I, I'm actually working on that, being more workmanlike and just goal oriented and because not trying to waste less time, but but I tend to resist writing, and unless unless I make a goal, and if I'm really specific about like this is the story, I try to break down the story within the story, because then I can easily tell a story, but when I don't know the whole story, I can get bogged down. But it's like, okay, I know this little mini story. Like, I'm working on an essay right now, and it's like, okay, well, I don't know the whole essay, but I know this tiny little part of it. I know where the lady asked me for this, so I'm getting that down. And then I I met that, you know what I'm saying? So then, and then, and then my brain starts getting going. And then I just, I usually know the next step. It's just forcing myself to do the little bit of work I know I can do. So that's something I struggle with. Well, you know, I don't. I wouldn't even call it a struggle. I'm not going to say it's a struggle here tonight because two reasons. One is I talked, as I mentioned, I talked to a lot of writers and a lot of authors, and they all have their own unique way of going about doing things. But we hear often as writers that you know you got to be diligent. You got to write something every day. Write five thousand words a day. I don't know of anybody that sticks to that. And the second part of that is you write, sound like you write just like I do. You know, I, I have to have a motivation to write or a deadline. It's usually deadline. a deadline. Like, yeah. It's yeah. like my studies in, at university. You know, it's like, yep. oh, yeah, the test is tomorrow. I guess I better open that book for the first time since I spent $300 on the book. Of course, kids nowadays would say, books, what are those? We don't, exactly. <laughs> we don't buy those anymore. But yeah, deadlines are magic for me. And I always am really impressed by my friends who work in the face of just without a deadline and just because they want to write this novel or they want to write this story and they get it done. I'm, I really have a lot of respect for that because deadlines are what, what keep me in my, in my chair. Yeah, Even if it's four in the morning, <laughs> the day before, <laughs> the day it's due. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It sounds like me as well. So then uh, next projects, do you have other things in the works that we need to, you don't want you to share everything, but things you're working on, or uh, do we have more uh, ways to follow uh, what's going on with Oliver? Yes. Um, Oliver, we're both on Facebook. Oliver is on Instagram. He's the real pug Oliver. 
And my website is allisonhodgson.net, A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-D-G-S-O-N.net. And yeah, we're updating constantly. And if you like the characters in the pug list, i.e. my family, I do have a blog from 10 years ago. So like old stories, people can go back and, and read. But Yes, interest has been expressed in Oliver's memoirs. So this is the Puglis is my memoir, and it's about rescuing Oliver. But there's been interest expressed, and in, we're we're looking at the possibility of a children's book. So okay, he, great. He can tell his story in his own words. In his own <laughs> words, that's right. Quite a story. All right. Well, we'll get that posted out there, and everybody check out the website and go pick yourself up a copy of the book. It's a great book. It's heartfelt. It's uh, uh, I think you did a great job with it, Allison. And of Thank course, you so much. You, you know, and Oliver still is a show, of course. And in, in the so everybody pick up a copy of the Pug List. You won't be disappointed. It's a great read, and uh, we'll put everything else out there on the uh, internet. Everybody follow what's going on, and uh, we look forward to hearing more about your activities down the road. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. If you have any ideas, questions, comments, or people you want to see on the show, you can email me. Email me at tim at petliferadio.com, and I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, bring on the people you want to hear from most. I want to also thank our uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. Put it in a blog, an article, or in a book, and who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.